Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live from the new Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our two special guests. But before we get started with them today, I wanted to acknowledge a couple of firsts. As I mentioned, this is the first show for us in the new studio. And I want to thank Max Six for hosting the studio and allowing us to be part of their great conscious workspace that they have over here. Next, I am super excited to announce a new sponsorship agreement that the Project Management Office Hours has with Talaya. Talaya is a European-based company out of Spain. They have eight years experience in the project portfolio management space. Customers from across Europe, Asia, Latin America, such as RIU Hotels and Resorts, Pepe Jeans, Provincia.net, so many more. Talaya is expanding their business into the United States and uh, they are offering their solution and they wanted to do some sponsoring and they are now sponsoring our show. So thank you to them. And the Talaya Open PPM solution is a project portfolio management solution. Uh, Talaya offers that with a centralized vision for all projects and initiatives that provide real-time, easy-to-access, and executive information. The goal is to provide a governance solution that's based on PMBOK standards. So many systems out there are really in-house systems, not um, built on a central core structure. And the Talaya Open PPM is built on PMBOK standards. Uh, so that helps you bring good practices into your company and lines up your business strategy with reporting and dashboards for your stakeholders and steering committees. And for more information on Talaya, you can go to their website, www.talaia-openppm.com. And they offer a 30-day free trial. So it is a great opportunity to go in and try a new portfolio project management solution to see if it fits your organization. Uh, Also great news with Talaya is they're going to be coming from Spain over here to Phoenix and will be in studio with us in July. And we'll have uh, some additional announcements when they're actually here in person about our relationship and their expansion into the United States. Also want to thank the PMO Squad, who is our original sponsor. Uh, Their focus, of course, is on project management with a purpose. And they bring us the show, so we look forward to that. A reminder to everybody, if you have a question for either of our guests or myself, you can ask on Twitter using hashtag PMO Joe. We're monitoring Twitter, so if we see that come across, we'll get to you live on air. And that brings us to our guests. First, we have... Roy Bell, who is the president of Thrive Force. So, Roy, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and Thrive Force? Absolutely. Uh, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Um, again, I'm Roy Bell with Thrive Force. Um, we are a, a consulting company here in the Phoenix area, um, and we really help growth-focused leaders prevent work from falling through the crack. You know, get out of the firefighting mode and really identify and work on initiatives to to to, to accelerate growth and and help the business grow. Great. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Our second guest is Rob Loy. So if I mess the names up today, listeners, I apologize in advance, but we have Rob Loy and Roy Bell. So that we just heard from Roy and now over to Rob. 
Good job, Joey. You got it right the first time. We'll Thank see how you. long that continues. Yeah. Know, but, um, my name is Rob Loy, and um, I'm working at Avnet. Uh, it's one of the largest uh, electronic distribution companies in the world. And I've been there since January in the PMO department. So it's the first time I've actually been officially in a PMO department rather than just doing project management. Um, recently certified PMP after about 20 years of doing all kinds of work that I never really considered project management because I enjoyed it so much. But now I understand how project management and PMP kind of go together. So I'm looking forward to uh, taking that new degree and, and kind of advancing my career. And I believe your role in the PMO is communication manager, is that correct? Correct, yeah. So um, specifically, I work with all the different project managers we have and uh, try to make sure that they have the communication that they need to be successful working with the stakeholders and the businesses and the customers and the partners. And I believe, I always like to go back to when I first met my guests and, and think of what brought us together. And you had mentioned your new certification. I think our first introduction was at the PMI Virtual Expo they had online and we were both chatting. We were anybody here from Phoenix and, and we both connected and, and from a virtual experience came a real in-person experience. Yeah, and it was great to meet you on there. I met quite a few people as part of that expo that I got in touch with through LinkedIn and exchanged a couple messages throughout it. So all the different ap avenues that you have available once you get into the official PMP part of it is great. It's, it's a great community to be a part of. And Roy, I know uh, you had served in the United States Air Force, right? And, and you carry forward your core values, right? Integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, in my personal life, in my business life, that has been kind of a, a core theme for me. Um, and I think uh, the military really just helped confirm what was already there. So, you know, go Air Force. Yeah. So thank you for your service. Thank and you. obviously, the as I've talked many times on this show, the PMO squad's a big supporter of Veterans, we uh, we offer up a veterans project management mentoring program where we pair veterans aspiring to be civilian PMs with project management professionals. Also, personally, I'm running the Marine Corps Marathon this year and raising funds for the charity Team Red, White and Blue, which is a charity organization that helps support veterans locally uh, integrating back into their community. Nice. So thank you for your service and go veterans. I appreciate everything they do for us. So let's get into some fun project management topics. Uh, you had just mentioned recently certification, and we know there are so many certifications out there in the IT space, uh, whether it's database related or app related, network related. Not everybody's as familiar with the project management certification. So Rob, do you, what do you think about recent certification and how does that fit in with all the other certifications out there? Yeah. So as I mentioned uh, in the introduction is that I, I've been doing project management for quite a few years, um, both as an IT person and then in marketing and communication, where you have something you want to deliver at some point and how you get from the starting point to the end point is obviously the project management. So um, about a year ago, I decided that after I had all this experience, I wanted to kind of formalize it. I wanted to get the, the three letters that went after my name, that PMP. So actually, I partnered up with a friend of mine and we went through and got the certification. Um, the, the thing I really like about the PMP certification is that you have to have that experience before you can even apply for it. There are quite a few certifications out there where as long as you take a test or pass the right thing of it, you have those initials or you can say, I'm a certified blank. Mm -hmm. um, so the, 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 I really like the fact that the PMP had that piece out front where you had to get certified for it. But I, I think that if I hadn't had that experience going into it, I don't think the PMP initial dash my name would have made me a project manager. So that's, I think that's where certification becomes a little bit of a gray area. Just because I have the initiative or have the initials, does that make me that type of person 
And I'm, I'm not convinced that that's, those initials actually give you the certification to give you the experience or knowledge to be successful. Right. And I, I totally agree with you, Rob. I, I think uh, the certification really expands your, your knowledge and your tools and your experience that you already have. Um, similar to you, I recently uh, completed the certification probably about a, a year and a half ago. And going through the study uh, process, I realized all of the, the gaps in my knowledge and that certification really helped, helped fill some of those gaps. Um, it also put me in the place where I was thinking back to all of those great projects that I wish I would have known, you know, the information that I didn't have at the time uh, to help me be a little bit more successful. But it elevates us and, and puts us on a, a new playing field to really just deliver better performance to the organizations. Yeah, and I think it's that com, the, the PM, you know, comma PMP doesn't make you a superhero, right? You're not Aquaman just because you have that certification, <laughs> right? But what it does when you combine that with your experience, now you start elevating yourself and you, you start becoming a superhero to those junior project managers who don't have both certification and experience. So experience and PMP makes you Superman, not Aquaman, <laughs> right? That's the way you're going to... <laughs> well, as long as we're above water. <laughs> I love it. That's great. We, and for our listeners, that's an inside joke. We were, we were talking uh, pre-show about superheroes, so we brought that in. Um, also, I do want to say the PMP, when you're going through that, it's a very formal structure. They want, they give you everything you need to know, but it, in practicality, you probably use, a, I don't want to say a small piece, but use use only a portion that you need to for it. So when you learn the formal process, the, what is it, the 13 um, or 10 and the, the five, they, areas, yeah, the yeah. knowledge areas, um, you go through there going, you know what, I see where I need to use this, but it's not something I'm going to use on every single project. So that's a very formal structure for it. And I think it's really up to the project manager then to figure out which of those individual components would be successful in the project you're working on. Yeah. And Roy, you may jump in. It's PMO Squad. We're a consulting firm, and, and I used to be a project manager, and then I ran PMOs before I started that, and as a consulting firm as well. Do you have an expectation from your clients that you're going to come in with those certifications? Is that something that they look to you as a uh, an expert in your field to carry? Absolutely. I, I think that they're looking for someone who has the, the ability to, to execute their initiatives and the PMP really kind of gives them that first indicator. It, it creates the credibility and the confidence that you can come in and, and execute for them. Um, and then you just la layer that on with your past experience and the, the work that you've done to really prove that you, you can solve their problems. I know when we would do hiring back when I was running PMOs, you know, it, oftentimes the inexperienced yet PMP certified person would lead with, hey, I've got a certification. But when we would ask questions about experience, they, they kind of failed, right? They met the minimum requirement, but they didn't make the two come together to make them be more powerful. In, in a PMO over at Avnet or, or others that you've worked in, right? How would have you seen over there? So um, there's a mix of people with PMP and people without. Uh, we are lucky enough to have various levels within our organization. We have the project coordinators and the, the junior project people. We have the project managers, the senior project managers. And the further up you go, the more likely you are to see the PMP certification that comes along with it. But if you walk down our aisles, you'll see the PMP read a book on a lot of different shelves as people start preparing for um, the certification, if they, it's something they want from a career perspective. But uh, once you're in AFNET, I mean, I, I, they give you, you know, you have the ability to prove what you can do day after day. And the initials mean less now that you're an employee um, than you would maybe what you're coming through the front door saying, hey, I have a PMP or here's my experience that comes along with the PMP. Mm -hmm. Let me switch gears a little bit on that. We'll, we'll come off that certification uh, and, and 
wanted to come over to Thrive Force, right? So that it's a really powerful name yeah, absolutely. Uh, for a company. And I was wondering, where did that come from, right? What inspired you and where's that name? What's the origin for all that, Roy? You know, so Thrive Force really, um, if you think about Thrive, it's it's that strength, it's, it's the energy, it's the weight behind helping an organization really move forward and, and ultimately thriving. Um, and it's not just... Uh, geared towards your technology initiatives or, you know, um, you know, your process improvement, but it really looks at your people initiatives, your technology initiatives and your overall operational initiatives that you want to execute and really take the, the organization to the next level. What makes you different from another organization, right? So you in that same battle that we have, right? Someone always wants to know what's the differentiator. Why do I pick you over another firm? Yeah, so I, I would say um, the thing that really makes Thrive Force different um, when you engage, when we engage work with you and you partner with us, we create a strategic partnership. Here's what you're really going to get: you're going to get an experienced project manager. You're going to get really the mindset of an engineer, someone who really thinks um, uh, precision and engineering precision. And you're going to get someone with a business acumen that can really help you drive performance. Because at the end of the day, that's really what it's about: performance and value. Um, and I think that the project management certification and the skill set, it really is helping an organization elevate and execute and and just really transform the business to to have better results. Hey, Roy, I have a question. Uh, when you go into an organization, do you use their project management methodology? Or are you bringing your own methodology into it? Or is it a kind of a combination? How do, how do you... You know, it's a it's a combination of of the two. Um, I, I think one of the things I've learned uh, over my experience is really to enter an organization and assess where they're at on the project management um, maturity, and really try to suggest and influence their 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 way of doing business and show, showing them that there's there's opportunities to to improve in what they're doing to really execute better. Yeah, I know when I joined Avnet, it was one of the first things was to figure out all the different tools and where they were in the process and. Uh, they're very helpful to get started with it. So I was just curious when the agency comes in, because we have a lot of consultants that come in and I'm just curious if they're bringing their own mentality or they're just trying to fit within the Avnet one. I, I, I love to uh, use this thing. You can't be the, the bull in the China shop when you're coming in from the outside. Uh, so you really have to understand your, your client and your customers with whatever you're doing. Is that part of the engagement then in the first part? Is Absolutely. Before you sign or do you actually? That's actually uh, upfront before we sign. Um, and then it's, it kind of carryovers into the ex- assessment. So we have the first phase, which is really establishing kind of the partnership agreement. It's where we, we get on the same page and we make sure that we're, it's kind of like project scoping. You know, you want to have that <laughs> scope, but you also want to have kind of defined um, the expectations on both sides. And that comes with learning their processes, learning how they operate as well. And I'd like to, you know, same with the PMO squad, what we're trying to do is, and the reason I'm doing this show, right, is to educate, elevate, and then execute. There's so uh, much belief within the project management community out there that you can go to staffing agencies and get project managers to come in and execute for you. And since you hired an external resource to come in and do that work, they're going to deliver at a level of quality that you think is going to exceed what you may have internally. And what I found over time running PMOs and prior to starting up my own firm is that it was the reverse. Those staffing agency project managers didn't have the same level of discipline, expertise, and experience that we had in the consulting space. And now there's this struggle that organizations have of bringing in project managers from a staffing firm versus project managers from a consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And what I think Thrive Force does, if I don't want to misrepresent, right, or I jump in, and what the project management squad, the PMO squad do is we bring in people who already have that experience that have led those engagements before 
And we're not a staffing firm. We're there on project-based delivery, right? We're there to help you deliver what you guys have a strategy. You're exactly right. You know, in my my most previous experience uh, or previous position, uh, you know, I was leading uh, an enterprise project management team. I was the VP of project management for a, a mortgage origination and servicing group. And our experience was when we brought in someone, a PM from a contracting, they were really more of, they had their certification, they had the knowledge, but they were more used to kind of going through the checklist of this is what the project management says or, you know, suggests we do, opposed to looking at and saying, okay, as a PM, we have way more value to an organization. We are, most of the good PMs are, are system thinkers. They see the big picture as well as being able to go into the details to help an organization. Um, so I think that's what you get differently when you bring in a, a consulting organization in lieu of a contracting position. A lot of the consulting companies we bring in, you're right, have a very specific purpose. They're going to try to solve something. So whether it's an SAP implementation or you're going to do a Salesforce implementation or that they bring in their own consultants who have done this back to back to back. And it's not necessarily they're going to use a generic uh, project management plan. They've got one very specific to that deliverable, which allows them, I think, to get things done a little quicker and a little more efficient. Um, whereas you try to do that in-house and you try to use the typical waterfall or agile or whatever project management methodology you're using, you're trying to fit that then to a platform that might not fit cleanly into that environment. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And that's the consulting versus contracting. I think that's, and Roy just touched on that. And kind of going down that line of thinking, right? Every company and organization does things a little bit different, right? We we all gravitate towards PMBOK as the, I call it the guardrails as opposed to the center point. Because I think in between we can go the way we want. But I think it'd be hard pressed to find even probably at Avnet or other organizations that always do it one way, right? What do you find with project management as far as customization goes? So I think when anytime people are the main component that you're trying to reach and to deliver to, you have some differences between one organization and another, whether it's the culture of the company or the tools that you have available to communicate with them you know, costs, all the stuff that is very typical for project management. I think that's that's probably a little more vanilla across all the different organizations. But um, being at multiple companies, everything from a Hinkle, which is a huge uh, consumer good company, to a smaller technology company like Pegasus, and now at Avnet, the people and the culture is what makes that difference. And if you don't communicate correctly to them, your project's never going to be successful. They kind of drill into you very early when you're going through the certification that communication and stakeholders can make or break your um, project very early on. So learning that piece of it and customizing how you're going to do something, maybe one is a very internet um, sensitive communication where you're going to push everything out and you're going to let them pull it down. Maybe another organization's all email based, or maybe another one wants to be meeting after meeting. You're four, 10 hours in a meeting day after day, but that's the way that they operate. So trying to figure out that communication platform and, the, and the, how often you're doing the cadence that comes along with it is going to make one project different than the other, and that has to be customized. And I think that goes to the art versus science discussion, right? There isn't a proof or a mathematical formula to make sure that this all works. Right. It is the experience and the certification and the, uh, the experiences you've gone through to deliver before that really helps you deliver. Right. right. And, it, you know, it comes down to really understanding your, your sponsors and your, your stakeholders. Um, what cadence do they like? Do they prefer, you know, you have some that are very hands off and they, you know, once every other week or, you know, once a month may be, uh, you know, sufficient for them. And then there are those who every other day they really want. Um, an update and status to know where the project stands. Um, so and it really, you know, depends on the urgency of the project as well. 
So as an outside person, when you come in, how do you work communication? Like I know when some of the agencies I work with, and I've always worked for a company, I've never come from the outside of it. It seems like they always give the communication to someone internally to do the communication. Are you, is part of your um, solution is where you do the communication also, or are you really relying on somebody internally to kind of carry that message and add credibility? You know, we, we actually do a, a bit of both. Um, more so, though, we end up leading the communication piece of it um, than handing it off to someone that's uh, internal. Oh, okay. um, but it, in any case, it's working with that internal person to keep them you know, updated and being able to have them backfill. And I know, Rob, one of the other uh, components that you've been a part of, you mentioned different organizations, you're also a, a teacher, right? Yes. So I would imagine within a PMO setting that experience teaching how does that translate into the resources within the PMO? Um, so teaching has been one of the greatest experiences I've had. I've been doing it for about 16 years. The big thing I can say of how project management teaching comes along is that is teaching has a, a totally different set of audience every single semester. You have a new set of students come in. You have new expectations, a different class are going on. So like every project comes up, you've got a new set of stakeholders, a new set of communication. And, uh, Working through that every semester, you know, you think that you can take uh, one class and just kind of cookie cutter it semester after semester, but it never works out that way. And I think it's the same thing that comes along with projects. You can't just say, you know, I've done it this way before and it's going to be successful again because your, your cast of characters is going to change and the topic's going to be a little bit different. So it might be that I'm teaching a Java class or an e-commerce class or, or some uh, business um, administration class the topics are going to change and the classes is going to change. So I've got to be prepared for that. And it's, it's, it, it, that's the best part about teaching is you never know what's going to come out of it. And I probably learn as much from my students as I learn from teaching them because when you have 20 students in a class, they are going to ask the most off the wall, bizarre questions that you've never heard before. And now I can say, I know the answers to some of those questions. And I wish I had a great story to tell you. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. What's the, what's that one question that kind of sticks out, but I don't have one right now. So. And Roy, I bet as you go into organizations, right, you take on the role of coach or teacher or mentor oftentimes, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, educating them and bringing them along for the journey uh, is a, it's definitely an art because you really have to take into account your learner or their personality and their background. Um, so you really have to step back and kind of be that coach and that teacher to help them kind of fill in their knowledge gaps um, with the value you can add and what you bring to the table. The new coach for the Arizona Cardinals had a great quote a while ago, and I actually posted something on LinkedIn where he was going to train everybody one way and coach them all individually. And I thought that was a great comment that everyone needs to have the same skill, but how you coach it and take that skill to the next level is what sets successful organizations apart from other ones. So training everyone can have is just basically memorization, but the coaching part that goes along with it sets people apart. That's a great example. Yeah, thanks for sharing that one. I didn't see that one. Maybe they'll get some value again. Herm Edwards here. Right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. So, you know, we're obviously everybody on in this room here is very experienced at what we do. But at some point in time, we weren't right. We were just starting out. So what advice would you give to the aspiring project manager out there? Great question. I think the, the biggest thing is it's it's very easy for us to lean, lean into our methodology, which is project management. Um, but we we add so much more value to an organization. And for a lot of organizations that don't have project management, um, they're, they're at a disadvantage. So as a project manager, I would say, understand that value on how you're using project management to really close a business performance gaps, because it's more than just, you know, giving them the latest technology or implementing that system 
um, it's really you're implementing that system or you're changing those processes or you're you're leading that project to get them to an end result, which is a, at a better place than they they started at. Yeah, and we're delivery experts, right? We're delivery we're experts. not there to make the business decision of should we do the project. Someone's already done that for us. Mm-hmm. But our value comes in our ability to execute. And as a new or or less experienced project manager, I think they often get caught up in did I do the checklist? Is my schedule right? Is my do I have my risk log in place? Those are all important. Uh, but the more experience you get, I think all of a sudden your view and your horizon expands and you start understanding the business value and the return on investment and the teamwork and the motivation and those soft skills that you need to have. Right. The business realization, you know, what are they going to achieve with it? Is it cost savings? Is it, um, is it revenue increasing? You know, what's the end, end result? And I think every organization you go to, you need to find that one person who's willing to kind of hold your hand when you first get on board, whether it's your the person that has the most knowledge or the person who's going to be patient and lead you through what you need to navigate from what comes from a political perspective. Um, if you can find that person early on, and uh, luckily when I joined Avnet, I, I felt like I found that person pretty on happened to be my boss, but <laughs> a lot of information, a lot of patience and the ability to kind of to pull you along. And uh, um, from a new person coming on board, if you think that you have to do it all yourself, I think you're mistaken. So you need to understand that there's a team behind you and whether you're hired um, or maybe if you've come in as an agency person, they want you to be successful because if you're successful, obviously the organization's going to be, and they're going to give you the tools, the resources to be there. But the earlier you can identify the things that can help you out, the more successful you'll be. And we've all been new at some point. We have been. Right. And what separates those new people who are going to grow from those that aren't are the ones that are willing to ask, right? Mm-hmm. As you just mentioned, right? Go ask for that mentoring and that coaching and, and you'll find it because we all want to give back. We all want to help. Right. And as a teacher, that actually relates very well. I tell my students very early on that you need to ask questions because if you don't, you're not going to pass the class. You, you need to have feel comfortable asking the question. And if you don't, um, you're just going to be ba- probably banging your head against the wall if you're trying to learn Java programming or something along that line because it's not something intuitive. You need to ask questions to figure out what the next step is going to be. So I, I, one of the great things about this show is I get to talk to people from different industries, different walks of life, different experiences, of course but there's always this common thread of project management. And a few shows back, we had talked about artificial intelligence, how it's becoming so popular in the world across all industries today. And it's just starting to make its way into the project management space. What is your perspective on artificial intelligence and machine learning and and how robots are gonna take (laughs) over our jobs, right? I mean, what's the future hold for project managers? You know, so I believe uh, that the future was of project management, especially with AI, is really going to give us new capability. Um, you know, I was as I was kind of thinking about the topic, preparing for this show, I thought about you know how most of our P PMIS systems, our project management information system, they hold so much data. If they're you know, and they have the ability to hold so much data if if used correctly. Um, but just imagine, you know, in a couple of years, that thing is connected to Alexa, and we and we, and you got a sponsor that's saying, "Hey Alexa, give me the health of." X, Y, and Z project, you know, and it gives them that update. It's constant, you know, that instant communication that they can have um, with their, the, uh, the project and project status. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really bright with the, uh, it's going to enhance our capabilities. I love the Alexa analogy. I think that's perfect. Like you can put those on my boss's desk and say she, in the morning she can come in and go, what's the status of this? Or where are we with that? Or where do I need to like, let the CIO know that we're going to have some issues with, with one of our projects. And uh, I, I totally agree that uh, there's so much data out there. And every year we go through, I'm, I'm sure, it, uh, I know it's growing. 
And uh, I think from the biggest aspect that you're going to see is the ability to probably do the risk assessments that go along with it, because the insurance companies have been using this type of technology forever to figure out risk. And why can't we as project managers use it to figure out the risk for the projects we're working on? There are so many different variations from risk that you got, a human probably can't do it anyway. You need somebody to go through and digest all the pieces. Um, the one thing that I don't think it'll ever do, and I, I said it before, is the politics and the communication aspect. I know that when you chat online, sometimes you're talking to a computer, you don't even know you're doing it. But when it comes to asking specific questions about project management or trying to communicate to a stakeholder where you are in something, I don't think that would ever get to the point where a computer can do it, but I could be wrong. I mean, I didn't think self-driving cars were going to be in my life. And, you know, you hear about it all the time, good and bad, what happens with them. So, yeah, no, I had just recently actually did a blog about um, doing a five-part series on resource management. And one of the, the latest one was on using data. And we had been in a client site where uh, they always put their most experienced project managers on the most important projects. We're not just project managers, but all team members. And they're least experienced on the less important projects. When we looked at the data, we found out that their less important projects finished on time and within budget more often. (laughs) (laughs) And what the data was showing was that we were over allocating their best resources. And therefore, they were getting too many projects falling behind. The risk level was going up. We weren't addressing the risk level. And we came in and we said, let's look at the data. Take emotion out of it. Stop saying they're our best. Therefore, they can do more. And start saying, what are the results really going to show us? And I think that you're right. Alexa, we want to take on a new project. Do we have the resources to handle it? No, we have. We need one more BA. We need two more developers. We need one more project manager. And I think that's coming sooner than later. I think we're going to see that pretty soon. That'd make budgeting a lot easier for the CIO than to know how many project managers do I need next year, Alexa? Yeah. (laughs) Then you go right to the CEO and go, hey, we need 20 new project managers. I don't know if he's going to buy it, but I think it's a great story. I mean, all the data is in those systems. You're right. right? It's now just a matter of, in the past, it was seeking a human interaction to pull it out. And now it's machine learning, right? Letting the system learn from its own steps of, we just did a project where we were over-allocated and it was three months late. Hmm, lesson learned. Let's tell the humans that's going to happen again before it actually hurts them. And I can't wait for that day. I think that's going to be a huge help to our profession. But time will tell. Who knows? Right. So tying into that, right? So different experiences. As a project manager, do I then need to know how to handle artificial intelligence? Do I know how to machine learning? when I'm trying to learn as a junior resource, trying to grow that project management resume, what are some of those experiences that I should be learning from? Should I be starting as a consultant? Should I start inside an organization? How do we get there? So again, I have not been a consultant, so I don't know that aspect. And I do like the fact when I come into a company that they kind of have your roadmap and your career path laid out for you or Obviously, you can escalate it if you do a well, good job and you'll be out the door if you don't. But when you're, you can come in as a project coordinator and work your way up to a or a junior project coordinator and come, go to project coordinator and then a project manager, senior project manager, program manager, portfolio manager, working your way up through, the, through those steps. I think it lends itself to somebody coming on board for, at first rather than trying to learn from a consultant experience. And all the consultants I've worked with with companies have always seemed to be very senior in terms of their, their skill set. So... That, that's my perspective, but again, I don't have the agency experience. Right. And I, <clears throat> I think that one of the things you'll see with um, uh, more uh, boutique consultants opposed to some of the big guys, you know, they come in with the big guys, the, the, the more experience to sell the project, but then they send kind of the junior 
uh, level project managers to help and they, they, they stumble. They, they've run into a lot of problems helping you execute. Um, they're not as experienced. They haven't sat in your seat and they don't understand what the operational experiences or challenges are. And the rate doesn't change for some strange reason, right? They come in with the, bills. Yeah, the senior rate stays when the junior resource comes on board. It's interesting how yeah. that happens. Of course, Thrive Force and the PMO squad would never do that. Never. Yeah. So the one thing about from an agency perspective is that you, they probably have a lot more experience across all the different industries. I mean, I don't, I don't know from your experience. Um, if you're working in one specific industry for Thrive Forest, or if you work across a bunch of different ones. So right now we are mainly focused on financial services and uh, most of the adjacent businesses that kind of, I guess, fall under financial services um, with the goal to kind of expand to other service-based organization in the future. So, you know, this ties into we're needed to come in and help, right? That's why Thrive Force exists. That's why the PMO squad exists, right? We're having organizations. What should a leader at an organization look for? What, what are some of those trigger points that they should say, maybe we need some outside help? What, who should we contact? How, what's been your experience, experience with that, Roy? Um, so I, I think one of the, the main things, they, they need to find someone that has a complementary skill that they're missing uh, internally. Um, that's one of the, the biggest pieces. You want to find someone who can accentuate the good stuff that you already have and kind of add and help you move forward uh, rapidly. Yeah, the other I thought uh, that I've run into as well is they may have that internally, but they've got a second engagement that they no longer have the staff to cover, but they got a mandate from above. You need to do both of these initiatives, so they have to go get external help. Yes, um, and someone who can be a little bit more uh, objective and you know not too close to the, the challenges. Uh, I think that's one of the, the good things that you and I both kind of bring in with a, a level of objectivity to really kind of take all of the emotional pieces out of it and really help influence so that everyone wins. So I don't do it at Avnet, but I have had the opportunity to interview groups like you to say who's going to come in and help us out. And normally what I'm looking for is a specific project we're going to do. I think we talked about it earlier that if we're going to do a Salesforce implementation or something, I want somebody who's maybe done that before because I don't have those skill sets in-house. I, I probably don't have the resources, but I, I definitely don't have the skill set. So if I can bring someone in who has demonstrated they've done something successful, maybe it's a website implementation. We're going to put something in and we have a great development team, but if, I don't have anybody who's led that type of initiative. It's a little bit different than if you're going to try to change a factory model or you're going to try to change, open up a new building or do some construction. So I think from an outside perspective or being inside, looking outside, having a specific skill set makes a difference for somebody to come in aboard. And I love what you said is like the outside experience. You know, it's not somebody who's internal. So some of the ones, I was doing one at a, a company I was at before, Av Avnet, it was going to be a very political battle. It was going to be something where anybody who took it on internally was going to be fighting an uphill battle day after day with the various VPs and stakeholders in the company. So by bringing someone outside who was not really part of that environment, actually was uh, a lot of that project to be successful. Right. And I, I think, you know, that's, you bring up something that's really interesting and that, that piece really kind of speaks to kind of the alignment um, as you're executing a, pro a project. Do you have alignment between your stakeholders? Um, that's something you really need to watch for and you really need to manage. And there's that uh, commercial out there of there's a carpool situation and the boss tells the joke that's not funny at all, but everybody laughs because he's the boss. Or you hire a consultant to come in and tell you your joke's not funny. <laughs> Yeah, right? it's, it's the right. objective view that your employees sometimes don't give you the most honest answer, 
And it's not because they're trying to be malicious, but they're trying to save their job and they're afraid if they're honest, they're going to jeopardize their career. Yeah. And that's a shame that you have to be that way, but it does happen more often than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we deal with it all the time. So I know uh, a company like Avnet, obviously, as large as they are, they probably have team members with 10, 15, 20 years of experience over there. I would imagine that can probably be a good thing and maybe a bad thing. Where do you fall on longevity in the workspace? So what I've worked for some companies have had people there very long. I worked for a company, Dial, Hinklebot Dial Corporation, which is Dial Soap, all that fun stuff. And people that had spent most of their careers at a company like that. Same thing at Avnet. Um, even at the company I was between Mobile Mini, where um, you come in and you have these people that have kind of their mind made up. They're they're very set in their ways. This is the way we've been doing it for um, as long as they can remember. And it makes it difficult to get things done because their immediate answer is no, we can't do it that way. But then there are people that have been there for a long time that they actually use that as an add additive because they can say, We've tried it this way, but you know, you're spinning it a little bit different. Maybe that's something we can we can work in. But here's the path you need to take. Here's the people you need to be involved with. Here's the tools that you need. And here's some data from 20 years ago that, that might be helpful. So, you know, every person's got a little bit different um, play when it comes to how long you've been with it and how they're going to handle it. Um, the worst people are the ones that hold things tight to the chest because they feel I've been here 20 years and they're looking for a reason to get rid of me. Those are the ones that you're going to have a tough time from a stakeholder perspective, from, from a communication perspective to get past. Yeah, no, we've gone into organizations like that and helped them set up uh, mentoring programs where those long-term employees, to your point, were holding those cards close to the vest. They were five years from retirement. I'm not going to let anybody know what I know. <laughs> but what we did is we put a program where they actually got benefit from that. Sharing became something that they got value out of. The junior resources and within that expertise then were able to say, thank you, right? And I appreciate that. And it was a way to start building and expanding on the generation gaps within the organization. And it had great results. I don't know if that would work everywhere, but we've had some fun with that. And I think that's going to be a challenge going forward. People that have been there 20 years did not grow up on social media and all the different electronic communication tools that they have. So they are probably a little afraid to communicate, putting things up on a, like an Office 365 where they're rather than have stuff in an email, they start putting stuff out where everyone else can see it. It becomes a lot more transparent from an organizational perspective, but you then you lose control of some of that information. So they're going to have to start trusting that this is for the best for the company and get out of the, you know, let's have a, let's meet face to face and let's start putting stuff out and use all the different tools we have. And I, I, I um, social media inside a company from a communications perspective, I think that's going to be a future, especially with millennials and not being able to work in an office, but work where you want, when you want, and all you have to have access to those tools and everyone needs to be on board. If someone's not, you're going to have silos of information. Yeah, Roy, how would, do you think that relates into the military, right? If you go back to your experience, obviously there's, you know, everyone has the mind of, uh, you know, the Gunny, gunny sergeant, right? That's been around for 25 years. That's the drill instructor. And he's going to beat that into you, the, the newbies. Yeah. And, you know, so in, in the military, um, you know, you start off in basic training and they, you know, they're really the point of basic training is to kind of break down all of the, the silos and the individuality that you bring to the table. And that's the point of basic training to get you to work as a team. Um, you know, and I've brought that along kind of to Thrive Force. Uh, I kind of have a saying that's part of our kind of DNA, together we thrive. And that's something I, I like to take into our organizations and help them understand that and help that become a part of their organization. Um, we can't thrive. You can't succeed if you don't work, work together. Um, we're in a very connected world. Um, so we got to 
work together. And maybe taking that a little bit broader, right, as far as project management itself, is there anything out of the military that you can utilize now today in your project management to help organizations understand uh, from your experiences? So out of the military? Yeah. And the reason I ask that, right, is with our veterans mentoring program that we do, that's what we're trying to help them understand, right? In the the military, it's all mission objective, kind of like a project. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering now from a personal experience, have you been able to experience and fall back on anything like that as well? Yes. Um, as you mentioned, um, the military, it's a, it's a mission objective. And I remember my one of my previous uh, experiences when I was an engineer, um, they talked about mission critical, mission critical. And it was something that came to me so easily because of the military. And it applies to project management. We really understand what it means to be mission critical and to have that, you know, the, the ability to, to understand that mission, to just really apply it to, to the work that we're doing. Yeah. Is part of that thick being just thick skin? Because I, 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 I watch movies. I have never been in the military, and I give you a lot of credit for doing that. But it would seem like if you're in the military, you have to have a thick skin and just be able to, willing to roll with it and not be able to, to take things personally. And I think from a project manager perspective, when someone says they can't do something, you can't just take it personally against you. It's against the project. Right, right. You're exactly right. Um, I think you, you really have to have a, a balance. You have to kind of have the, the thick skin, but you also have to bring kind of the heart to the work that you do as well. So, you know, one question I always like to ask guests as, as we to get different opinions on, right, is what are some of the characteristics or traits or skill sets that you think identify somebody who has the potential to be a good project manager or separates the good from the great, right? Because we're not all equal. So I can answer that, but you're probably going to guess my answer to be communication. Just yeah. that, that's my role. Hey, that's I my master's degree. So I'm with you. <laughs> now, it, it, um, anybody who can communicate can usually get past some of the other little deficiencies they might have. But obviously, you have to have the skill set. You have to have the knowledge. You have to have the patience and the thick skin that goes along with it. But to me, um, it goes back to what they taught us. Communication and stakeholder communication are probably the two biggest things you can do. And Anybody who's not willing to step up and talk is not going to be successful. And if I was going to do an interview with somebody, that would be one of the first things I would do is say, stand up and tell me about yourself and see if they stutter or if they give you a one word answer. If they can get up there and talk, they're probably somebody I can work with. Yeah, and I, I would say number two is, is probably being a, a system thinker. Um, you can, you know, without communication, the system thinking uh, really doesn't help, but you really do need to be able to see the see all of the moving parts. And that's a big part of the PMP. Uh, They talk about integration and managing risk and being able to know the impact uh, when you have changes throughout your project. Uh, So being able to be a system thinker is probably number two, in my opinion. And I'll keep going with number three now. (laughs) The ability to ask questions is going to be the next one on my list because if you don't ask questions and you think you know everything, you're not the smartest person in the room. You need to understand that there's going to be times where you have to ask and you have to ask it in an intelligently way. Um, so you can get the answer that you want. Because if you don't answer it the right, ask it the right way, you're not going to get the answer back the right way. Do we have a number four out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> I think those are the top three. Top three. That's the number for everything, right? Top three is always where you want to stop at. <laughs> yeah, not, well, I'll add a fourth. Top right? three superheroes, Aquaman's number four, right? Oh, like, oh, back to that one. <laughs> wow. You control, hey, remember how much of this planet is water. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always think it's, you mentioned all of those, which I totally agree with everything, but it's bringing them all together. Good point. Right. It's, there are so many that are good at building a perfect schedule. There are some that are great at communicating up, but the ones that can bring all of those together to have soft skills, to have technical skills, to have business acumen, 
and be able to communicate that upward and down and motivate the team, right? There's not many of them out there, mm-hmm. there but there, once you find one of them, boy, you want to keep them and keep them close, right? Right. And, you know, I, I think there's a, for any organization that has a, a PMO or they're thinking about starting a PMO, they really have to understand that and think about the bigger value that they can have to, to, to the organization. Having someone or a team of people who can see across your entire enterprise um, where there may be issues and how to, you know, get you unstuck, you know, or get you out of that, that issue and, and get you out of the firefighting mode is, is really critical um, for success. And working in a PMO for the first time at Avnet, I, I see the difference between an organization that has project managers and one that has a PMO. When you have all the tools and the standardizations and the reporting capabilities rolled into one organization that kind of manages and governs it, it makes a huge difference. Right. And, and Joe, you, you probably, this is a, you know, a good question. I, I think from, for, from your experience level, um, which do you recommend kind of having a PMO at the enterprise level or more in the IT level? I'm an advocate at the enterprise level. Right. We don't have an HR department that's just an IT. We don't have an accounting department that's just an IT. We don't have a sales department that's an IT. Right. Project management is an enterprise function, and I'm a believer that it should be at the enterprise level. That's not to say you can't have project managers within IT that are doing things differently than you run projects in manufacturing, that do things different than you run projects in accounting. You can have variation, but all of it rolls up underneath to objectives that the organization's doing, right? They're all tied to strategic objectives. And if we uh, start siloing them out into our functions, I think we lose the value of what Rob just talked about, of all the commonality that you can bring together and the benefits you get from that. The other thing, when you don't have a PMO or an enterprise PMO, and you got these individual PMOs or project managers, is it seems like I've run projects where you have project managers in various departments, all with a little bit different agenda that somebody has to align. And trying to figure out who that main project manager is or the right program manager never seems to be successful. At least I haven't been at one that I found that, that's worked out correctly though, when you have multiple project managers. Another thing we, uh, when I talk to executives about this, I'll ask how many different performance evaluation processes do you have? And they say, well, we just have one. We, we evaluate our employees all the same way. I say, is that for sales, IT, manufacturing? You all get me the same way? Yeah, of course we do. I said, well, why then would you run a project in IT different than you would run a project in accounting? Good point. And they, you know, they kind of stutter for a second and think about it and they don't have an answer for that. And then they go find their PMO director who may or may not exist. And that's where our conversations begin, right? We want to try to create those common processes to help organizations be successful. And if you think about it from the perspective of your total organizational investments, um, you want to see it all together, right? You want to see a diversified portfolio of uh, of projects that's going to yield an overall positive uh, return on investment. Absolutely. That was a great conversation. Yeah. So what is it out there from uh, an experienced project manager's perspective? You're maybe nearing the end of your career or, or you've put in a bunch of time. How can you give back to your profession, right? Because all of us really are here for a limited time in our space and we want to leave it better than we found it. So how can we give back? What's, what's one way that you guys can think of that maybe we can give back to the profession and, and help it get better and stronger? I would say uh, mentor um, some of the younger generation that this is a, a profession and it's something that you can pursue just like accounting, just like human resource, just like sales. It is a, a, a profession with uh, some longevity to it and it's going to be around for years to come. And I, I like to bring it back to the teaching aspect. I, I even talked to the uh, Scottsdale Community College about offering project management classes. 
um, as part of their business program and um, working with Grand Canyon or trying to work with Grand Canyon to add that to their, their boot camp mentality too, where they can, um, as a programmer, you got to learn how projects are managed and how you fit into that piece of it. So if they're going to train people to be a programmer and get them certified, understanding the landscape of a project is going to be a very important aspect too. So I, I want to take what I've learned over the last 20, 25 years and try to write a curriculum and competencies enough that I can put it into a class structure. That's great to be able to have people locally that have that mindset to be able to want to give back both of you. And I think mentoring and teaching obviously is going to help all of us in the long run. So thank you for that. Well, we're surprisingly nearing the end of our time. It's been a fast, fun time together. And but I always like to give uh, each of you one last opportunity to chat about your individual organizations or yourselves and what you have going on, where we can learn more about what you offer. Uh, so, Roy, we'll start with you and Thrive Force. Uh, what would you want to share about Thrive Force and what can our listeners take away from that? So I, I would say um, the main thing with Thrive Force is we're here to partner with those in the community that's ready to accelerate their performance, accelerate their growth. Um, with Thrive Force, you're not just getting a project manager. You're really getting someone who can be your partner in success and help guide your business to the next level and help really accelerate growth and unlock some of the value. My experience over the last couple of years, you know, I, I kind of fell into the project management profession, but I was originally a, an engineer um, and worked in the energy sector and the financial services sector. So with that, I always try to expand the business and work on projects um, and bring people into the business that's going to help some of the customers who have a variety of challenges throughout their organization. And where can folks go to learn more about your organization? Is there a website or, yep. or social media? They can find us at thriveforce.net um, online. Uh, they can check us out on Twitter or check me out on Twitter. It's Roy J. Bell um, at Twitter. Um, and of course, you can find us on LinkedIn. Great. Thank you so much for being on. And Thank you. Rob, how about you? Yeah, so I, I've been at that for six months. So I'm looking forward to just continuing to add uh, my knowledge and skills to help their projects be successful. I know from a company of, of Avnet size that they've got a lot of uh, projects ahead of them and they've, they really could use some communication. So I'm looking forward to kind of helping them out and continuing. And uh, beside that, I'm still going to stay teaching at Scottsdale Community College and Northern Arizona University and sharing my knowledge in various technologies and, and try to make something successful out there. And if uh, listeners want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so find me on LinkedIn, Rob Loy uh, on LinkedIn. Great. Well, Roy and Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've learned a bunch and I hope our listeners has as well. Uh, welcome to the PMO Squad community here on Project Management Office Hours. And thank you for being a part of, of what we do here. Thank you, Joe. Also uh, to our listeners, this is a reminder that we are live the first and third Thursdays each month. Our next show will be June 21st. And we're excited to be joined by guests from Sensei Project Solutions and TSIS, two great organizations here locally. I want to thank our sponsors. First, the PMO Squad. They're 100% project management focused 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management best practices, PMOs, PM training, project management software selection and support, and project managers to run your key strategic initiatives. And I'm really excited to say thank you to our new sponsor, Talia. Great to have them on board. Uh, know that they have a rapid implementation. They use common language. And Talia can integrate with all your company's applications, such as Microsoft Project and Jira. It's easy to customize. It will fit in with your organization and give you the opportunity to make your first steps in the governance world of project management. To learn more about Talia, you can go to their website, 
www.talaya-openppm.com and sign up for your free 30-day trial. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours, our retrospective on project management lessons learned. <music>